Spandex Planet is the best wrestling podcast around. I like Spandex Com. I like Spandex Planet because it keeps me informed. Hmm. <coughs> Well, you heard it here first, uh, folks. Testimonials. See, people love this podcast, you know? Keeps people informed. And that could be you. If you're listening, let me know. And uh, yeah, that could be you, you know what I mean? So actually, let's do let's do a different intro. I want to use a different song. fun now welcome to episode number 24 of spandex planet it's may almost june uh we got a couple of shows coming up here we have an nxt uh in your house card and a wwe backlash card to chat about um not a lot of uh breaking news here this week uh aew was interesting though the really uh cashing in on the Mike Tyson stuff. We had Mike Tyson come out with a like a whole posse, which was like Henry Cejudo, who just retired from UFC, Vitor Belfort, Rashad Evans, a lot of like MMA guys, and they did a weird... And then there was some dude, I, I don't know who he was, in like a white t-shirt, uh, and uh, gotten a little, a little spat with the inner circle. So... I'm never like a gigantic fan of that stuff. What I mean, it's cool. Like like Mike Tyson being involved at Double or Nothing was fine, but uh, like when it, they're integrated into the show like that, it just reminds me of uh, like when Tito Ortiz was in NWA TNA. If anybody remembers that, um, yeah. So I, I'm not generally a fan. I mean, I don't think it was like a poorly done segment. Mike Tyson is just a weird dude. Um, but it was it was fine, and I, I don't know. Apparently, I'm in the minority here because, uh, from what I from what I've seen, uh, the ratings were pretty outstanding, uh, and then the the double or nothing buys were higher than even their last pay per view, which is interesting. So, hey man, what do I know? This is why I don't book this shit. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's AEW kind of heading in the direction of Fighter Fest. We have Moxley and. Uh, putting the belt on the line versus Brian cage, Brian cage being built as an animal as he, as he should be as a gigantic human being. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. I'm not really sure, uh, what we're doing with the, uh, elite stuff. It looks like a Kenny and, and hangman are kind of separating themselves. Uh, dynamite was dope though. It was cool to see like Matt Hardy. It's cool. He has like the freedom to kind of filter between gimmicks and we got the old, uh, Purple tights, Matt Hardy from like 2009 WWE, which was I, I enjoyed it. It was cool. I like that he can do that. 
Uh, and it was a solid match too. So uh, obviously there'll be more as when we get closer to Fighter Fest. But on that, we had NXT this week also, which was like, man, it was wild. Uh, we built some more like Tommaso Ciampa carrying cross stuff. And then we had that like pit fight match, which was, uh, you know, a callback to the lion's den. And it was uh, Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle, and they beat the shit out of each other. And it was really, really cool. Uh, I, I do like how unique that was. I think it came over really well. And Timothy Thatcher is someone who I always think is, like, awkward. Like, his movements are awkward. It seems like he doesn't have, like, a ton of, like, personality or charisma. But he, uh, man, he sh- this painted a nice picture of, of his character. Um, he beat the shit out of Matt Riddle, which was cool. Um, and I think it was good to have Thatcher get the win from what I, from what I've seen the word on the street, which in my head, that's what we're calling this segment, uh, is that Matt Riddle is going to be called up here shortly. So makes sense. If that was his last appearance in NXT, that he'd go out on his back, brother, just doing, doing right by the business, you know? Um, so building towards the NXT in your house card so far, the confirmed matches, we have Keith Lee putting his NXT North American championship on the line versus Johnny Gargano, evil Johnny. Uh, I like his new music. I think it's cool. Uh, him and Candace are doing a great job. I think Gargano is like a, this reminds me of like a, when Spike Dudley was heel, it's always weird when like really small dudes or big heels, but I think he pulls it off really, really well. And I enjoyed his heel work on the indies as well. So I think it's cool. He's doing it in NXT and better than his like last weird, like almost kind of heel run. Uh, this is, seems like more legit. And I like that. He's just going after all the big dudes. Uh, and that match should be great. So excited for that one. And then we have Finn Balor versus Damian priest. Uh, I guess that's really all I have to say on that one. I mean, I'm sure the match will be fine. And then we have for the NXT Women's Championship, Charlotte. Uh, oh, oh, Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai. Like I said, for the w- NXT Women's Championship, should be great. Then we have the aforementioned Tommaso Ciampa versus Karrion Cross with Scarlett, which I'm excited for. I think hopefully they just beat the shit out of each other. Just a big old ball guy match. And then we have Adam Cole uh, putting his NXT championship on the line uh, versus Velveteen Dream in what they're billing as a last chance match for the NXT championship, uh, which means if Dream loses, he can't challenge for the NXT title as long as Adam Cole is the champion. Then we also have Backlash. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with this. Um, They're... The top build match so far is Edge versus Randy Orton, which they are touting as the greatest wrestling match ever. I have no idea why this is a thing, um, but it is. And uh, I, if it doesn't, if it isn't just like one second, and then we start the match, Orton hits RKO, and then it's one, two, three. This is going to be very stupid. Um, that would be hilarious. If it went down like that, and I might be putting too much faith in the product, but I think that's maybe the way that they're they're going to go with that. And then we have Asuka versus Nia Jax for the Women's Championship. Why? Dunno, because it's just what it is. Uh, then we have another why. Braun Strowman versus The Miz and John Morrison in a handicap match for the Universal Championship, which is just like very whatever, man. Just At least it's different, I guess. 
and then we have Drew McIntyre putting the title on the line versus Bobby Lashley. You know, if nothing else, even if it's not ideal, I like that some kind of more unique guys are getting opportunities, like Bobby Lashley. Um, and even though Miz and Morrison versus Braun Strowman sounds terrible, uh, it's cool that they're just doing something unique. So more to come on that backlash card and uh we'll kind of see where the world takes us after that because the card after that is in july i'm not sure when like restrictions will be lifted and they can have some folks like in the audience that aren't behind plexiglass or even if they are just like do a a bigger crap i don't know man just something um aew has been kind of like slowly amping up the the like wrestlers and um folks that work at Daly's place like in the audience which I think is cool so hopefully they keep scaling that until we have somewhat of an official crowd like even if it's something where it can only be like 25 or 50 percent capacity or something you know that would be better than nothing and it would be like WWE in like the mid 90s you know that's kind of how it was anyway so I'm hoping for that soon but we live in a crazy time in this world uh, and that's why I'm doing this podcast, because I don't want to talk about that or think about that. Uh, I just want to talk about wrestling, because uh, I have no life. And uh, this is pretty much the majority of what I think about is is wrestling-related. It's dudes pretending to fight each other and allowing somebody to just beat the shit out of you in front of people or in front of no one <laughs> wearing like colorful spandex outfits. You know, that's what we breathe for, man. That's why we're here. But first, Spandex Planet, the podcast, is brought to you by Gary Swan on YouTube. Gary Swan is a multimedia mogul passionate about the growth of the entertainment industry. He privately funds actors and influencers under his banner and lives by one simple quote, quantity over quality. Go ahead and follow them on YouTube. Gary Swan, that's G-A-R-Y space, S-W-A-N-N, and you can also follow them on Instagram at Gary underscore Swan underscore YouTube, Gary Swan Productions, quantity over quality forever. Also, check out our friends at Programmed for Pro Wrestling on Instagram. Uh, It is a nostalgia pro wrestling page, regular uploads. Centered around pro wrestling nostalgia from WWE, WCW, ECW, the Indies, Japan, and more. That is programmed, the number four pro wrestling on Instagram. Check them out. Posting some uh, pretty cool stuff. And also, you know, like, you heard the testimonials to start this podcast. We're uh, we're changing lives here, folks, you know. Do you want to stay informed? I talk about some stuff that you may not know. Right. So that's that's how you stay informed. And also. As far as pro wrestling podcast goes. Coming from someone who had a cup of coffee in the business, just a young, dumb, just a young, dumb kid in a man's business, as they say, or as one person one time said. You know, I'm just giving you my best take and uh, hopefully it's cool. So if you think so, you could be one of those uh one of those advocates for the podcast, you know? I'll put you on here. I don't know, man. Just support the pod if you like it. Uh, give me feedback. I am on Instagram at SpandexPlanetPod. Let me know what you think. I, uh, I I put a post up every single time that I um, like post a new episode. 
Uh, so you can comment on that. Let me know what you think. Give me some feedback. But for the love of God, follow me. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. That is essentially just connected to Instagram, and you can't really like do both. They're interconnected as far as like business pages go. Uh, so it, also on Facebook at Spandex Planet Pod. Same uh, same thing as Instagram. So check me out on both of those things. Also on YouTube. Uh, so that is on my personal YouTube channel at josh explains it all all one word uh you can see some of my older videos from like 10 12 years ago on there as well when i used to try to pander to uh folks in the biz made some like chuck taylor videos chakara uh prince devitt a lot, a lot of fun stuff on there so check out the page subscribe Listen to us on YouTube, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, whatever, whatever, wherever you consume audio, you can listen to this. So you should do that. Uh, enough plugging that. Uh, last week, we did not do a fantasy booking seg for a couple reasons. Um, but the the main one being there's just a lot of like unfortunate stuff that took place. And I ended up talking about that. And like I said, I just don't want this podcast to be like three hours long. Um, so I kind of left it at that, but man, I'll tell you being quarantined. And and as far as like working goes, everything is completely remote. So I'm just home all day, every day. Uh, it's the, the diet thing, man, that's an easy ship to, to fall out of before I should hold on. I should transition to a, to a fitness segment here. We got to have the transition music every time. Okay. That's better. So now that we're fully transitioned into a fitness section, I talked a little bit last week about training for wrestling versus like bodybuilding and cardio and stuff. And like, it's so hard with like the diet train, man. So like, I I really do try to intermittent fast and I just, I, I try to watch my calories in versus calories out my macros. I trained every single day. Uh, but it's tough, man. There's days where I'm just like, fuck it. Like who cares? Uh, that relationship with food is not, is not great, (laughs) but, uh, the one thing that keeps me going is I really think about, uh, when I get back into training, I don't want to be in even worse shape than when I first went back. Uh, and I don't want to, uh, get blown up running the ropes for two seconds. So I think that's just all in all, like it encapsulates the importance of just working towards a goal. Like, I think if you're a self-motivated person and you can just work out to work out just for yourself, that's amazing. But for me and for a lot of people that I know, having some sort of goal is certainly uh, beneficial. It, it, it really lights the fire under you and, and gets you going and gets you moving. So for me, it's just like, dude, I don't know what's going to come of this, this wrestling training. I'm sure I'll, I'll work some matches and maybe I'll you know, get involved in a different capacity. I'm not sure. Um, but either way, like I want to put my best foot forward. So if I'm out of shape, regardless of how I look, if I'm out of shape, uh, it's just, I'm going to look like shit and I don't want to represent myself or where I'm getting trained like that. So that's, uh, that's where I am on like the fitness and diet front. But dude, I'm like getting wild, man. Like there's certain days where I'm like, whatever, dude, I'm just going to eat like 
an entire pizza and then I'm still hungry afterwards and I'm like, well, I'll just eat this and I'll just eat that. I've been really into, so I drink a lot. I'm a, so let me kind of like back up a little bit. I am a, uh, like a Rogan on it, uh, person. Like I, I've, I've been following them for a long time. So anything, any guests that Rogan has on when they like push a product of some kind and it's like health related, I'm like all about it. Um, cause I'm a sheep and that's just how it is. Bah, you know? So I, the caveman coffees, they're always drinking those, uh, Cristalia drinks those as well that I always see on his podcast. And so I buy those pretty frequently and they're great. And so I'll start the day with one of those. It's like 200 milligrams of caffeine. Um, I take my, uh, my supplements, which I, I'm, I'm very into, uh, PE science, um, I just feel like the quality of their supplements is is there and the science is there. I mean, it's in the name, right? How could it go wrong? So I do a mixture of their pre-workout and then their pump formula. So it's um, prolific and high volume. And you're supposed to use stack those and use them in conjunction. So I'll do two scoops of each of those after I drink my coffee. That ends up being about 350 milligrams of caffeine total to start the day off. I think like normal levels for like a male adult, which is what I am, uh, would be, I think around like 400 grams of caffeine a day. I absolutely surpass that because I take that, I work out, whatever I burn through some of it, but throughout the day, like if I want something other than like water, uh, and I'm trying not to eat, um, like the zero calorie sodas, like fill, avoid and they they assist with like cravings and stuff to me so like mountain dew zero um tastes great no calories say what you will about chemicals who knows who knows there's inconclusive research whatever um there's no calories right so um that really kind of gets me through and so if i have a couple of those that's an additional i think those are like something like you know between 60 and 80 milligrams of caffeine each as well so then i'm you know if i have two and let's just say I'm not, they're the high end, they're, they're 80, I have 160 additional milligrams on top of that. And, uh, what if I have two coffees, man, then it's another couple hundred, like it's just a lot of caffeine in my body. And I'm not sure if that's good or bad. Um, but I definitely have really heightened my tolerance to it, which sucks because I, uh, I just don't, it doesn't really do much for me anymore. So I, I probably need to go on like a caffeine cleanse, but I just know I'm going to be a miserable sack of shit for a little while if I do that. But I guess now's as good a time as any being not having to necessarily be around uh, people. So I don't know. There's a view into my quarantine, like diet struggles. It's what I think about all day because I'm an addict. Dude, grow, I mean, I was, I was a fat kid, man. Like food was like what? made me happy. So I don't know. I just, that carries over as much as you can, as much as you change in your life, there's just certain things ingrained in you and it's hard to, hard to break out of them. And so, like I said, it's just, I'm not a fat kid anymore, but I am on the inside. So it's hard, but I'll keep you updated. You know what I mean? And if anybody has any, uh, thing they'd like to add to that, you can think about it and maybe I'll know that you're thinking that, I don't know. So let's move on to the, the fantasy booking section. This is the one I had planned for, for last week and then didn't get to do. Um, so I, I'm definitely excited about this one. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, you know how this goes. We have to have the transition music and then we can talk about it. Okay. So let's go. Fantasy. 
Dokie, artichoke. We got there. So, man, I think uh, a picture on the programmed for Pearl Wrestling Instagram page, another shout out to them, uh, got me thinking about this. You know, I think all of us who are in my like age group or my generation grow up with a, a, a firm, just like love and nostalgia for the Attitude Era. And uh, so I find myself on the on the network watching it a lot. And uh, recently, I, I came across a lot of Nation of Domination stuff, which I was uh, definitely a fan of, and I think was was kind of a cool like attitude air angle. Would never fly today, for sure, but uh, was still uh, pretty cool. So I, uh, I, like I said, I, I was kind of watching them, and I saw on the program for Pro Wrestling page a picture of D'Lo Brown. I think Ken Shamrock was was uh, a drop kicking him or something. So. I'm like, man, I loved D'Lo Brown growing up, so why not talk about him? Let's let's have a career retrospective and fantasy book this guy, man. He better recognize, you know what I mean? Um, so to me, like, my earliest memory of D'Lo Brown was, man, it, it's tough for, like, my, my most clear memories are from when he was essentially, like, a mainstay on Heat. Like, I remember he was, like, doing a lot of announcing and then... Uh, he would wrestle from time to time, and then he like aligned himself with uh, Teddy Long. That's like my, that's the D'Lo Brown that I remember. I did, I do remember him before that, but like you know when you're like young and you watch wrestling, like you have guys that you in moments that you really remember, and then other stuff is kind of fuzzy. And I mean, I go back and watch it now, but I don't have the same, um, like, like memory, I guess. So. I think the first thing I remember from D'Lo Brown was definitely after Nation, and I think he had finished wearing that chest protector. So I'm going to say probably like 99. I remember he was wearing like long tights and a single, like that style. And that's that's probably my first memory. And then I remember him with, with Chaz and Lowdown. And I remember on SmackDown maybe 2, SmackDown 2 on PlayStation 1, for some, whenever me and my uh, younger brother would play, I would we'd always be low down. Like, I'd be D'Lo and he'd be Chaz, and we would have tag matches. And I don't know why we did that or why I liked them, but I have some fond memories of that D'Lo Brown more than anything. Like, I remember snow days and just like sitting in my room playing that for hours, and then going off my porch and trying to do the uh, the low down, the move, not the tag team, uh, off of my deck like railing which would be used for backyard wrestling later in life. So that was pretty cool. Um, so D'Lo Brown, uh, he was in, he was like an enhancement guy, uh, and he was in the mid-'90s in WWF uh, as A.C. Connor was his name. I think he got signed like pretty recently after that or pretty quickly after that. But I, I remember I had like a neighbor that had these old um, like mid-90s WWF tapes from like 93 to like 96. It was like a bunch of Raws and like some pay-per-views and stuff like that. And uh, I remember seeing AC Connor and thinking like, hey, that's a chubbier, younger D'Lo Brown for sure. So he gets signed. Um, he goes down to the um, – to the – uh, developmental, which I think was like Heartland at that point. Um, but he was in Smoky Mountain before that. And you can kind of see him in the New Jack documentary if you watch The Dark Side of the Ring. Um, 
which man, I could do a whole episode just to sidetrack or side derail. I don't know some phrase, uh, about the Owen Hart episode, just man, crazy. Anyway. Um, so you see him on the episode of that. He was in Smoky Mountain, like as he was doing some jobs, uh, for WWF. He gets signed. He's in Heartland and then also in WWC in Puerto Rico, um, doing some stuff. And then he makes his debut in the Nation of Domination. And I believe he was like just a random, he just like came out with Farouk. So this is kind of before my time watching wrestling. Um, like, I mean, I, I, I guess in 97, I, I watched it, but it wasn't, you know, I was like five. So like, I wasn't, I wasn't like like paying hard attention or watching it every single week or anything was just like something that I liked. Um, I mean, I probably could tell you more about power Rangers around that time than this, but definitely, um, uh, definitely don't remember really like Nate, like early, early nation. I remember like tail end of nation, like the nation that I remember like seeing on TV was definitely when the rock was a part of it. And after Farouk. So anyway, uh, and then eventually they, you know, they say his name's D'Lo Brown. I don't know where that name comes from or how they think it up, but D'Lo Brown. Um, let's see. And then it got to the point where Farouk uh, gets rid of all the nation members aside from uh, D'Lo Brown, Ahmed Johnson, and uh, Kama, who was then the godfather. And then The Rock joins. And there's some, like, stuff where like, The Rock kicks Farouk out, Owen Hart joins, but like D'Lo's kind of always there. Um, and then D'Lo and Mark Henry tag together and they, uh, they, God, this is terrible. So I have this written down and my hand, like when you can't read your own handwriting, it's unbelievable. Um, but he started wearing the chest protector cause he had like a legitimate injury, but then it kind of became his gimmick, which is probably what he's most known for from attitude era fans is he had his chest protector. So when he did the lowdown, it was like this big, like heavy metal or whatever they said, chest protector that would crash down on people off the top row, but him and Mark Henry were a tag team. Um, then they kind of, you know, separate, do their own thing. And then through like 98 and 99, like Delo's in this weird spot where he is like popular, but not quite even like a top mid carder he's just like there in the middle card um and he was you or a european champion and intercontinental champion around this time um and this is when he started this is what i remember this is where he starts wearing like the long tights and he he lost like a lot of weight and he was having really cool matches on smackdown um but he's he was never really like that popular um and then he does like a tag team with the godfather you could tell they just like didn't quite know what to do with him uh, but they tag him up with the Godfather, um, and then basically, I think they broke up. I don't. I'm not. I cannot confirm nor deny what happened here. But somebody turned on someone, I'm sure, or God, whatever. Who cares? Um, anyway, he starts teaming with uh, Chaz. It's a lowdown, and I talked about that. And then they do this weird thing where, like, God, Tiger Ali Singh is their manager. They start wearing like the headdresses and stuff like that. Um, and there's like some shoot interviews from a few years back where D'Lo talks about how terrible this was and how this was like the lowest point of his career. And yeah, it was awful. They, he went from like mid card to complete bottom of the card doing a stupid, like weird, like sympathizer gimmick. And it was just terrible. Um, so Chaz and, uh, Tiger Singh get released and then D'Lo gets sent down to OVW, uh, around 2001, which would make sense as to why he was not there. Like I always wondered what he was doing between like, 
end of 2000 and 2002 because he's not involved in any of the alliance or invasion stuff. Uh, but yeah, he's an OVW, so that makes total sense. So that, this is where he returned uh, in 2002 to Heat, uh, and he is like the Heat guy. There was like a group. Like Heat used to be dope, man. I used to be more excited for Heat than I was for Raw, actually. So I remember like the main guy, we had Raven, uh, Steven Richards, Stevie Night Heat, baby, uh, D'Lo Brown, Al Snow, and then eventually like Johnny Stamboli was kind of a big deal on there, and then Mark Jindrak and Garrison Cade. But there was like these guys that were just only on Heat. They were never on like the the main like flagship shows, but they made Heat like really really cool. They had awesome matches. Um, and guys would like filter in and out. Like Tommy Dreamer was there sometimes. I feel and you'd have like the Matt Hardys of the big shows or or you know NWO members or whatever that would filter through. But there was like a handful of guys that were just pretty much regu- regulated to Heat. Um, and that's like what I really really remember and have like a big. Uh, nostalgia like love for it is that that time period and D'Lo was my favorite one um at that time I loved just watching him wrestle I thought he was awesome uh so then he he turns heel and he aligns himself with Teddy Long and they did their uh thugging and bugging enterprises which is just basically like a group of like African-American dudes that are like hey we're being held down uh by the white man I think he was probably on raw at this time um too from time to time uh, and then in 2003, uh, Teddy turns on D'Lo, and I remember this like really, really uh, clearly. And I'm pretty sure this is on Heat too. This is Heat had like literal storylines. It's not like main event or like superstars was a few years ago. Like they had storylines that they followed each week. I would love to have this like recalled. This is such a cool like B show for for guys. And like now they have an even more like bloated roster than before. So I think our, a Heat return would be amazing. Let's sign a petition. Uh, anyway, so Rodney Mack basically takes his place there. Uh, and then Delo's released in 2003. And so I, I've, I've talked about this a little bit, but man, like I pretty much exclusively watched WWE. Like there was times when I watched, um, like when I was like a lot younger, like WCW. And it was usually by accident. I was like, what is this? And I remember like seeing Buff Bagwell and Scott Steiner. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And I had a friend that had the WCW like action figures, which I was like, oh, I love this. And then I got into the WCW video games. And that's kind of how like all of my fandom is born. Like the reason I know what wrestling is, um, is from the first time I saw it. Um, I mean, it was my, my cousin actually, that was like watching it. But when I got like heavily, heavily invested in it was because he got the, he got WWF Warzone. Um, and I was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then I, and that's when I was really trying to find it on TV and watch it. And then when Attitude came out, I mean, dude, game changer. Anyway, so then WCW, I remember at like a flea market in my hometown, I found like WCW versus NWO or WCW versus the world, uh, those old WCW games. And that got me into that. Um, but other than that, I was really just a WWF person. I, I didn't have internet for a very long time till probably like 2006, five, 2005, I think is when my family got internet. That's how like backwoods we were. I'm surprised we had any sort of like cable service, but we, I, uh, I watched that. And, uh, the first time I, I really like broke away from WWF at all. And obviously there wasn't a lot of competition with WCW, and ECW being, you know, overhaul or being purchased, um, the, in, in no internet, like how am I supposed to find anything? Right. Well, I remember seeing an ad in a hotel room. Uh, we used to go to the, uh, 
a different city for, for, for my family for Christmas. And I remember seeing an ad for NWA TNA and it was like Christopher Daniels. And I remember seeing like the flying Elvises in the ad and abyss. And I'm like, what the hell is this? This is amazing. Um, so at that point I'm smart enough to figure out how to like search the cable. And, uh, I ended up finding NWA TNA every Wednesday night on pay-per-view 10 bucks. And I made my parents pay for it. Cause I'm like, it's just 10 bucks, but you order that four times a week. That's 40 bucks a month, man. Basically, basically a $40 a month subscription to this, but man, I ordered every week and taped them and me and Mike, who was eventually my tag partner, we would trade the tapes or I'd send it to him or whatever. And we'd always watch it. That's where our love and adoration for AJ Styles came. Uh, but anyway, uh, he joins TNA D'Lo signs with them. And, uh, around this time, like I was watching, but there were definitely some weeks that I wasn't watching, like kind of like skipping or whatever. Um, but I did watch the majority of him and, uh, AJ Styles like teaming up and then the feud, uh, for the NWA title. And there's a pretty famous like clip online of D'Lo, uh, falling off the ladder during that, uh, that match. And, and those, that time is where I really saw D'Lo Brown, like, and liked him even more because around this time is where I'm like, I'm, I appreciate good wrestling more than anything. And dude, like, man, this is guy can go like, he's great. Um, his matches with AJ to this day are some of my favorite matches and, uh, made me even more of a fan of him. Uh, he ends up having some matches with Jeff Jarrett for the title. Um, I think he wins. Yeah. He wins the tag titles with Apollo. If you remember him in like 2004 and then he kind of just disappeared off TV, which was kind of a bummer. Um, and then I don't, I never knew what happened. I didn't see him until years later, but what happened is he went to Japan and wrestled for all Japan and in the UK for a few years. And um, there's a really good match between him and Toshiaki Kawada from all Japan. And, and they beat the shit out of each other a little bit. And D'Lo's like big, but he's in good shape and he's doing some unique moves and it's a great match. So you can find that on YouTube really easily. Um, so he's doing that stuff. And then I remember I have internet <laughs> and it's like 2007, 2008. Um, and you read like online, like on the dirt sheets, like, Hey, D'Lo Brown's doing dark matches. And I'm like, Oh shit. Are they like re-signing D'Lo Brown? That would be crazy. Uh, and then in 2008 on raw, he returns, uh, to wrestle Santino uh, which was awesome. He got a pretty big pop from what I remember. And I always remember this spot where he did a, he like snap nares, um, Santino over and Santino's like sitting up and then he hits the ropes and just does like a super hard, like Lariat clothesline, like while Santino's seated. Uh, and he just, he smacked the shit out of them. And I found that clip recently and it was like, he did, he, he, he clobbered him with it. And that was a move I always remembered. So when I actually got trained and, and was, was wrestling, I tried to do that move. Um, I think he called it like sudden impact is like a actual move in his move set. It's awesome. And then like he wrestled like pretty sporadically. And, and then I just don't even remember. Like, I'm like, I don't remember even seeing him really after that. And apparently he was there till like early 2009 and then got released. Oh man, what a waste. Like, man, they could have really had something there. Even if he was just on the mid card, like helping out the younger guys. Like I think if it was, if he was younger, right? Like if this was, if he was 10 years younger now in the, in the age of NXT and all that, I think he, he probably would have stuck around longer, but Hey man, it is what it is. He goes back to, uh, to Japan. I think he wrestled for ring of honor, but I've never seen any of that stuff. So I can't really comment on it. Uh, and then he returns to TNA as like a lead agent in talent development. Um, and he does that for years until the weird like aces and eights thing. I don't know. I don't know. And then he went back to Japan, but I, 
I didn't, I was, I was firmly, um, not a fan of TNA at that point or impact or whatever. I it just, it was, uh, Kevin, Kevin Steen, Kevin Steen slash Owens at one point had said that it makes him physically ill. And that's how I felt watching that too. It was just not good. And just, ugh. so I, I didn't, I didn't really see any of that. Um, so if you think about D'Lo Brown, he was, he was around for a while, but not like that long. And I think a lot of it makes sense. I, I, I completely think his run with nation is probably the highlight of his WWE run. That was, um, he was featured every week, big deal. Even when he was tagging with Mark Henry with a chest protector, he was very over, um, they wrote him into almost every single show and he used his gimmick and people knew him and he did the head shake thing is what he was like most famous for. Um, so I wouldn't change any of that. Even when he breaks apart from Mark Henry and he becomes face and loses all the weight. This is where I think we started to see some missed opportunities. Um, and rather than just throw him in random tag teams like Lowdown, which was a sack of crap, I, I would have liked to have seen him get some more chances working some main card guys. Now, what do I think would have happened? Probably wouldn't have been up there with the likes of, you know, triple H and Steve Austin and the rock and stone cold because the, the top of the card was pretty wild at that point. Um, but he could have been around and I could have seen him being an effective mid card guy, especially, um, during the Alliance, man, I would have loved to see him work like Rob Van Dam and, and those guys, um, Lance storm, he would have been a mainstay for me there. And so that's probably what I would have done is, is just at least kept him around for that amount of time and, and skipped, skipped the BS tag team stuff. Unless it's, you know, the random tag teams, keep him a singles competitor. I know he, I don't know if it had any bearing on anything, but you know, he unfortunately uh, injured draws um, and draws, you know, he's, you know, confined to a wheelchair to this day, sadly. And, and, you know, that was a botch. It was, a, it was a mistake. And Draws has been on record saying, hey, it's like not his fault or whatever. But I don't know. Maybe that derailed some of his push because he was getting a little bit of a push before then. And so let's say that does derail his push a little bit. And then they're like, you know what? Go back to OVW for a while. Train some more. Do whatever you need to do. Great. That happens. That's fine. When he comes back in 2002, selfishly, I wouldn't change any of the heat stuff just because <laughs> I uh, I hold it so dear to my heart. So it would have been cool keeping him there and doing, honestly, all the same stuff. It was great. It was fine. But when Rodney Mack kicks him out of the thuggin' and buggin' or whatever they called that, that would have been a perfect opportunity for him to go to SmackDown. Raw at that point was just so convoluted with all their weird storylines and they had such a big roster. And SmackDown was more of like the wrestling show at that point. And I really could have seen him getting in there nicely and mixing with the Eddie Guerrero's and the Chris Benoit's and those folks like in the US title hunt, him and Rhino, like I think he would have been a, a fixture in that mid-card, you know, division and then you know, 2004, 2005, 2006, like he could have been there for years doing that and been a, a pretty integral part of the show. So I definitely would have, that's, that's what I would have done. I think the move would have been to book him onto SmackDown and have him feud with, with those mid card guys for the U S title. Um, in 2003, it was a perfect time. SmackDown could have used him. And I think that would have been great. So let's say all that doesn't work out, whatever. He gets released in 2003, still goes to TNA, which, again, selfishly, I, I, I'm glad that that happened because that was uh, pretty amazing. And I think him going to Japan um, was also, like, absolutely fantastic. Um, 
I think it rounded him out and gave him some some more experience. Man, the biggest ball drop, though, was when he returned in 2008. Like, he had all this momentum. People were excited for it. He had some good matches, and then they were just like, never mind. And 2008 was a weird time. It's when WWE transitioned into the PG era. Um, and, and just, like, a lot of things were kind of bizarre there. And, like, the, the Intercontinental title scene was literally, like, Santino. So, whatever. Like, have him stay. But... I, what, what, here's what I think I would have done with him if they didn't know. Um, sure, he comes back on Raw. WWE ECW was, was a brand right there. He would have been, in 2009, the perfect foil to Christian. Um, Christian wins the belt, and he does the feud with like Jack Swagger and all that, and then Jack Swagger gets called over to, to the main roster. Um, but D'Lo Brown being put in there as a heel and working with Christian. I mean, dude, that would have been money. That really would have elevated the brand. You could have even brought him over in 2008 when like Matt Hardy was a champion around that time and have him work with Matt. Um, and if nothing else, just on that show, working with the younger guys, the CM Punks, the John Morrison's, the Zack Ryder's, I think that that would have been a, a, the smartest move. And I think they really missed an opportunity there for those guys to get the knowledge from him and for him to still be included in the show. Um, I mean, I could see him in the 2000, even like the 2010s, the 2011s, like just kind of being there, you know, on the ECW brand when that goes away right around this time, like FCW is, is transitioning into like NXT. We're getting close to that. Having him involved in that probably would have been the move if they didn't want to use him on TV. Um, is that's that's if I was running the company and that's kind of what this whole seg is about. That's where I would have gone with him. Um, I would have probably, like I said, so 2008, have him on Raw for a little bit. If you're like, man, I don't know, whatever happened there. I think the ECW brand would have been perfect for him. Like I just think about all the amazing matches him and Christian could have had because you know I. I I think very highly of Christian. So that, that would have been amazing. Um, and then from there, you know, when ECW disbands, like dude, use him in a backstage role, man, make him an agent. He knows about TV and like things like that. You can use him sporadically to help get guys over like the younger guys. I mean, I could see him still being a part of WWE today in a, in a performance center type role, the occasional, like, um, NXT match and maybe that would have incentivized him to like stay in shape and, and be able to continue to, to work, to work matches. Um, I think that that's the biggest opportunity for me that, that I think was wasted. Um, and you know, I'm trying to think of like how the scene was in like 2010. I think that's right when it NXT turned into like the, or ECW turned into NXT, but like it was when NXT was the stupid, game show thing and that was like 2010 slash 11 and i could i mean he could still he could have easily went over to like smackdown and worked with like the drew mcintyres and the younger guys um and i could have even seen him at that point that was when edge retires and like christian gets the world title let's let's call back that ecw feud man i could see Dilo brown being the world champion on smackdown even for a short period of time him and orton would have had a great match i think that would have been the time period for him to you know hold a belt like that and be kind of a, a main a mainstay at least for a little bit um again that could be my bias and i know my bias makes me think everybody should be world champion but 
the reason I'm, I'm selecting the guys that I'm selecting is because I think very highly of them. And, and that's the whole point. I think the boat was missed. Um, I think D'Lo could have drawn a lot of money. He had a great personality, could wrestle very well, um, and would have had excellent matches specifically, like I said, with Christian Orton, um, and uh, and then he could still be in a performance center role today and sometimes used on NXT. I would love to see him versus like Gargano or him versus Ciampa or or Adam Cole. You know what I mean? Um, hey, that's not the way the cookie crumbled um, right now. I think he's you know, he works in some kind of producer role. Um, I'm not actually sure I should have figured this out before I started recording. But guess we're going to do this live, baby. We're going to see what he's doing right now. Um Let's see. AC Julius Connor. That's his real name. If you uh if you didn't know. Brown held a class for future stars of wrestling training in Las Vegas. That's like the last thing they talk about. So I don't know what the hell he's doing now. Um but hey man. He's a certified public accountant graduating from the University of Maine. Maybe he's doing that. Um, but it was cool to see him on the dark side of the ring uh, the last couple episodes as well, chat about Owen and about uh, New Jack. Yeah, man, you better recognize because you're looking at the real deal now. I, mean, I always try to think of a name of the podcast. and It has to be like related to D'Lo in some way. So I don't know. I'll figure it out. Yeah, so that's what I, that's what I would have done with D'Lo um, if, I was, if I was a booker man. Um Thanks for listening, guys. I think we're right about time uh, for this week. Like I said, support the podcast, man. I'd I'd love to kind of grow the base and get guests on and things like that. I'll call it back for the 50th time this episode. You heard those testimonials, baby. That could be you. Let me know. Um, but yeah, support the pod on Instagram at spandex planet pod, uh, on Facebook at spandex planet pod, check out the YouTube, uh, like video stream. It's just the audio podcast with a picture behind it, but I've definitely been thinking about recording, uh, like a video of the podcast. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and that's Josh explains it all on YouTube. That's all one word. Josh explains it all. And, uh, yeah, next week, I don't know who I'm in a fantasy book, but I'm going to just kind of watch some wrestling and see where my mind takes me. And if I'm getting pissed off about something, that's probably what I'll talk about. Maybe we'll have some more news or something like that. Uh, but like I said, again, thanks so much for the support. Uh, I appreciate whatever feedback uh, or or not feedback, just listening, um, listening on your, on your phone or uh, your computer or wherever you listen. I really, really appreciate it. I enjoy doing it. Eventually, I'll have a catchphrase. Uh, to close out the show, which I still, I still don't have it, man. So, you know, I just, I think we just have to wrap and, uh, you'll just have to live with it. So this has been Spandex Planet and, uh, we'll see you next week. Episode 25, quarter of the way to a hundred. All right. Bye.